It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Ladies and gentlemen, just a, you know, average run-of-the-mill Friday afternoon of training camp Buffalo Bills. Nothing big to talk about, right? So sorry for the delay. We are finally live. A lot of breaking news in the last hour. Some big breaking news, I should say, in the last hour. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by our friends at Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops Pickup and Delivery. Shop for your groceries online. Choose Pickup or Delivery. Tops will bring you the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. And we are going to get it started with the big news of the hour. Ryan Talbot, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, six-year contract extension. Remember, last year, the rookie deal this year in 21, not 2022 is the fifth year option. And then six new years, massive deal for $258 million, according to Adam Schefter, $150 million guaranteed uh, at signing the most in NFL history. First impressions of this deal, Ryan. Yeah, first impressions of the deal is when you when you see the numbers, they're they're eye popping. They they kind of jump out to you. But the one thing I do want to tell the Bills Mafia is just think over time, this is going to be a real steal for the Buffalo Bills. And I know forty three million dollars on average doesn't sound like a, a steal in any kind of walk of life, but the NFL salary cap minus the COVID year has steadily gone up every year, each and every year. And the projections that you see for the salary cap in the next few years are are pretty significant jumps. So as that salary cap comes up, you're going to look back at this Josh Allen deal and you're going to say, man, Brandon Bean once again found quite the steal or, or worked out a contract that was really beneficial to this team. We'll obviously get a better breakdown of the numbers in the near future when, when they're made available. But right now, I think Bills fans should be thrilled, beyond thrilled, with the initial look and, and the numbers. Yeah, and you got to figure that the first year of this deal, 2023, where the, the big-time money is going to start, the, the salary cap is going to balloon. I mean, the new TV deals are going to provide Brandon Bean with such uh, – you know, an uptick in resources that I, I think that the way that things going to, this thing is going to work out is going to be really good. Now you still have a Tremaine Edmonds contract extension. It'll be interesting to see where that lands, but in terms of looking at the future and like, and you could do it, like head over to spottrack.com and check out, you know, 2022 potential bills, salary cap, 2023, plug in the extension. If it's not even up uh, already, and you're going to be amazed at the way that Brandon Bean has structured a lot of these contracts. There's going to be so much mobility and uh, possibility for what they want to do in terms of adding deals. They went out this year, and one of the most important things I think that Brandon Bean did was going out and getting Rousseau and Basham on a year after getting Epinesa. You've got three players that you can develop. Hopefully, you know, two of those guys hit, maybe even one, but then 
you have guys on affordable contracts moving forward. Effie Obata, who's had even a really strong camp, and you know we can talk about him in a little while as well. Those kinds of low-profile moves, low-cost moves, could and and no big-time money on the edge past this season. Hughes and Edison run out. It's the last year of their deal. You're in a really good spot, and I, I don't think with the way that Brandon Bean has done this thing that even at 43 million, which I think is a little higher than people thought, but in between that mark of you know uh, the the next closest and Patrick Mahomes, I think that's you can live with that because that number is only going to go up if you wait to do this next year if Josh Allen comes out and has another unbelievable season. Yeah, I agree completely. And I I feel bad for uh, the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens who now have to use those numbers to work out deals with Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, because that's going to be the benchmark. Now the Bills set the benchmark and and now those other teams have to uh, figure things out. But going back and focusing solely on the Bills, Josh Allen locked up long term, Trey White locked up long term, Deion Dawkins locked up long term. Resign Matt Milano. Uh, I think Tremaine Edmonds will be next in line. I, I do think they're going to figure out a way to resign him. And, and you're looking at this core, and it's such a young core. And you noted it with the draft. They've gone out in the last few years, and, and they've attacked the defensive end position. Uh, competition breeds success. Something along those lines was said by AJ Epinesa today, and that's the that's the grand picture. So now in these future drafts, don't be surprised if the Bills. Uh, maybe go out and, and address cornerback two early in a draft. And then you have a guy on a rookie contract opposite Trey White if things don't work out in this Dane Jackson-Levi Wallace mix. They're going to be smart about how, how they bring in these future <coughs> players. Draft picks are going to be very important to this team going forward, especially when you, you project they're going to be picking in the late 20s, early 30s based on their success. So Brandon Bean and company, there's still plenty of work to be done on a year-to-year basis when it comes to drafting the right guys to fill in these gaps. But the future is so bright here in Buffalo with the way that they have drafted, developed, and re-signed their own players. And you mentioned at the top of the show, as the numbers come out on this, we'll be able to really dive in it more. But I think getting this out of the way, like I don't necessarily think it was going to be a distraction because I think once Josh Allen showed up at camp, he put it out of his mind. It was something that was coming. You know, even if you you saw a regression this year, I still think he was going to get a pretty sizable deal. I mean, if you mentioned he talking about Baker Mayfield, I don't think the Cleveland Browns have to worry about anything because I don't think he's going to be in the same stratosphere as as Josh Allen. But this kind of deal probably does raise it up a little bit. So it, that will definitely be interesting to see. But it's now not lingering over. You can go into this season. You see the uh, the vibe around uh, the team. A lot of people coming out today. I saw Cole Beasley quote tweeted and say, that's my quarterback. Davis Webb getting into the mix. A lot of players having some fun. Dawson Knox tweeting MVP. And then even former players, LaShawn McCoy, who came out and had a reaction to it. This is a lot of excitement. They can celebrate it now and then move on to the business at hand, which is a very, very big season here in year four for Josh Allen. Yeah, and you know, the one thing I do really respect about this organization is the fact that things are kept under lock and key pretty much until it's a done deal. No one had really been talking about the specifics of of this deal in terms of, oh, it's almost done, it's getting there, or... Uh, if there were any potential problems, pretty much we've heard from Brandon Bean. We've heard from Josh Allen, and they both said there's a deadline. Uh, if it gets met, great. If not, we'll push it ahead to next year. They, they worked behind the scenes. They they worked out whatever those minor details were over this last week, pretty much, because Brandon <laughs> Bean 
on WGR said, listen, you know, we, we have a deadline. It's in the pre- towards the end of the preseason. If it gets done, great. They worked out the minor details. And, and those minor details are, are going to be big for the Bills, I'm sure, at the end of the day, because they want those, the contract structured in a way where there's a little bit of maneuverability, where you can make bonuses happen, and that frees up some cap space on a year-to-year basis. And for Josh Allen and company, well, we know the guarantees. We've seen the guarantees. That makes that side of the, of the uh, extension happy. So both ti- uh, both sides ended up working things out, I'm sure, in, in an agreeable way. And again, there was nothing out there in the media, nothing getting leaked. That's just something that we've come to expect with this regime. All right. Let's get to football because there was some football here today before the hoopla of the last hour. And it was almost such a fitting transition into the news of the extension because Josh Allen was so good today, Ryan. I mean, they did basically red zone work in 11 on 11 today. They didn't do anything else. They were, they were definitely lining things up. Pads were on. Uh, they were going at it in, you know, in that, in that short uh, zone of the field. And there were some good battles, but man, just the, the throws that he makes, I, I, I notated four of them that really just stood out. And there was even one that I didn't write about to Jake Kumaro in the back of the end, end zone. There's referees now. And they said that he was out of the end zone. But it was another just great play. I feel like his precision near the goal line, how do you guard him? How do you defend against Josh Allen in the red zone? Because I've, I've maintained this the last two years. He's the most dangerous weapon with his legs in the red zone. He had eight rushing touchdowns last year. When you get there and now you have to deal with a guy that can precisely hit any throw uh, at any level of the field, I, it's unbelievable. The, the, the one I'm talking about was to Gabriel Davis. Uh, there was really nobody open, and he was patiently waiting. There was a pretty good rush, but obviously they can't touch the quarterback, but he was waiting. And Gabriel Davis kind of flashed open at the last possible moment, and Allen just – it was so effortless. Just put it over uh, extended Micah Hyde in the end zone. Gabriel Davis had to go up, make a grab, establish uh, his feet in bounds, and make the play, and he did so. Great play by Gabriel Davis, and he had a nice day as well. I'll mention him uh, in a minute. But Allen is just consistently making the these, these difficult throws look easy. And there were so many people, you know, I was standing on the sideline with uh, Jay Skirsky, Sal uh, from WGR, Thad Brown, and they're just kind of just those, those throws where you just kind of shake your head and just, man, man, that was just, that was filthy. Listen, Josh Allen has been surgical in the red zone since entering the league, and, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. You mentioned it. How do you defend this guy? He is he is a human cheat code in the red zone. Uh, just look back at the playoff game against the Colts last year. It's a I, I believe it was a design run play, and the Colts played it beautifully. They had him locked up. They were about to bring him down. So what does Allen do last second? He sees Dawson Knox open, tosses it up in the air, throws a touchdown uh, to help the Bills obviously win their first playoff game in many, many years. He always finds a way to create. And now that you're right, now that the accuracy is so pinpoint and we're seeing it, uh, flashes of it every single day, whether it's in drills, whether he's throwing it at the nets, whether he's throwing it to wide receivers, his accuracy has made such great strides that now you have to worry. You worry about him as a passer, obviously, but you know exactly what he can do with his feet. Uh, I believe it, it's nine, eight, and eight in terms of rushing touchdowns per year in his first three years. So the the guy just knows how to score. And, and 
opposing NFL teams still have not been able to figure out a way to stop him in the red zone. Um, he was moving the ball around today. There was a few throws to Cole Beasley, who having guys like Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, Diggs, obviously, Stephon Diggs, who didn't practice today, uh, rest day for Stephon Diggs and Mario Addison. But Jerry Hughes still out. I, I would imagine them, you know, giving at, uh, Mario Addison a couple rest days here to keep him fresh. That was something that he talked about yesterday, so not a surprise to me. Rest of the injury report, Forrest Lamp still out with a calf injury. Christian Wade, uh, shoulder injury. And then Deion Dawkins still on the COVID list. He has not returned to the facility, uh, so we'll continue to track that. Um, but just having guys like Cole Beasley that make the game so much easier on Diggs or on uh, Allen Diggs as well. That's what I think has allowed him to become so confident with every type of throw, because when you can kind of check a bunch of boxes, like I know Cole Beasley is going to be this. I know that Stefan Diggs is going to be this. You hope that if you're Josh Allen, that Emmanuel Sanders turns into another one of those players. He, uh, he missed practice. Uh, today as well, a foot injury. Uh, he was out there at the beginning and then just didn't participate. So we'll we'll track that as well. It's just that's what really, for me, provides the confidence that we're going to see not only the success they had last year continue, but maybe an elevated level of execution for this offense. And in a lot of ways, this running game too, because – this this passing game is going to be so feared in the in NFL circles with how good it's going and probably how it's going to look in the preseason that I think it's going to be easier to run the ball. Yeah, I think opposing teams are almost going to dare the Bills to run the ball this year at times in terms of the looks that they give Buffalo. And it's going to be up to the Bills to kind of call that bluff, run the ball effectively, whether it's Allen on the QB keepers or utilizing those backs that they have. And the backs that I think that the Bills are all very – confident in in terms of being able to move the chain so it's going to happen like you said this passing game has been too successful from this past season to now and and, you know you mentioned it Stefan Diggs rest day Emmanuel Sanders out today with a foot injury and yet Allen is slinging it to Isaiah Hodgins he's slinging it to Gabriel Davis Cole Beasley and the list goes on and on you mentioned an ear TD to Jake Kumaro he's doing this without his best weapon Diggs And a player that's going to be a big focal point of this passing game right now. The fact that he is just, he's able to do it with no matter the weapons on this field says a lot about where he was to where he is now as a quarterback. Let's get to some of the playmakers today because I think that, you know, Gabriel Davis, I wrote about yesterday in my, you know, focusing on Jay Kumara. What does this mean for Gabriel Davis once you get to the season? Could there be a situation where he has, he does enough? to maybe take some of those Gabriel Davis snaps away. And uh, I don't know if Gabriel Davis was reading my story. I doubt it. But he, he gave a big reminder today of just like who the, who the heck he is. And uh, he's so consistent. He's so technically savvy. Um, his route running, like so Davis doesn't necessarily blow you away with speed. He has some speed, like some sneaky speed. But he's so crisp, and I think that he was mentioning that the route running work that he was doing with Stephon Diggs in the offseason, they met together in Florida and worked out together. I mean, you could see it. I mean, he's so exact in his movements. I feel like he's come a long way in that department, and he was good in that department last year. It's just another situation where everywhere you look, they have talent at the position. 
And then, oh, by the way, Isaiah Hodgins entering his name in the conversation today. A really nice rep against Tredavious White. Um, ran a quick out pattern, grabbed a, a nice ball from Josh Allen. And then you're sitting there probably at the two-yard line. And if you're Isaiah Hodgins going up against Trey White, you got a decision to make. You got to you got to get in there and you got to fight for those yards. And, and, and he did. He, he, he hit the pylon. He broke the plane. Referee gave him the touchdown. That's a, a big-time confidence builder for an Isaiah Hodgins who's watches Jay Kumaro has been good and Gabriel Davis starred uh, at times last year with the seven touchdowns as a rookie. You like to see that for Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah, first and foremost with Gabriel Davis, look at the weapons on this team. We've mentioned their names, Diggs, Beasley, Sanders. And yet, if you were to ask me who is the best wide receiver on this team in terms of working the sidelines, in terms of the, being able to get the, uh, the feet down along the, the end zone anywhere else, I could make a case for Gabriel Davis just based on his rookie year last year. Go back to that Colts game when they were struggling offensively. Who did Allen find along the sidelines scrambling on back-to-back plays? It was it was Gabriel Davis, and Davis was getting his feet down with these unbelievable toe touches. He was unreal coming back to the football. He just has a nap for that, a natural gift for that. So where he does not have that straight-line speed and, and where he may not be as – uh, technical of a route runner as Cole Beasley or as Stefan Diggs. There's that part of his skill set that makes him so valuable to this passing game where you can see why he was so successful as a rookie and why he's only going to get better with time. Isaiah Hodgins brought his A game today, like you said. He needs to keep bringing that if he wants to claim a roster spot, whether that's his wide receiver six over Kumaro or whether he presses the Bills for the first time in a long time to keep seven wide receivers. It may happen if, if he shows out in the preseason because, let's face it, you're not going to see those big-name players playing many reps this preseason. It's going to be the Mitch Trubisky show at quarterback, and it's going to be up to Hodgins to really show out at wide receiver for him week in, week out, and, and prove to the Bills, listen, I'm putting up some really impressive tape here for opposing teams, and if you don't put me on your main roster, the chances of me making your practice squad it's not going to look good for you. So he's showing out now. It needs to continue into the preseason. I think he has the ability to do so. And these are great problems for the Bills to have. Definitely. Um, great point by our buddy uh, Matt Harmon in the comments. Over 200 people watching live right now. Thank you so much for your support. People have been subscribing to the page. Our videos are all popping on here, our post-practice report. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. And thank you to Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Uh, our show's main sponsor, Tops Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. And you know who's smiling today, uh, Ryan? Uh, OG Griffin. Um, Elijah Griffin, Warren G's son, obviously, when the Bills signed him as an undrafted free agent, a lot of people uh, started, you know, generating excitement around this guy. Let's watch what he can do. And, you know, at times it's, it's tough for a lot of these young guys learning how to play at this level, competing in practice. And then you get to, uh, you know, the, the 11 on 11 situations and, you know, you know, you need some of those moments to stand out. And I thought he stood out today, made a couple big plays, went one-on-one with Brandon Powell at the goal line, ripped the ball out, forced the pass breakup. Uh, he was in on, uh, you know, they sent him on a little sack play and he was able to blow it up and, and, and make a big play there as well. So um, Elijah Griffin, uh, one day after getting mentioned in that cluster of young guys, uh, along with Rashad Wild Goose, 
and Nick McLeod as guys that he Farwell is looking forward to how they uh, perform on special teams. He even specifically said, hey, man, if, if, if one of these guys can, can show out as a gunner, that could really do something for them uh, as they're trying to make this team. And it gets you to thinking, you know, some guys that are, are really, really good gunners for this team, Taiwan Jones and Saran Neal, could a young upstart, you know, like a Elijah Griffin, maybe push them in the end if they're able to show similar skill set in, in that area? I don't know because – you know how the Bills value special teams, and those are two guys that do it at a high level. But interesting to think about all the same. Oh, absolutely. And at the end of the day, even if they don't crack this 53-man roster, they're putting in valuable reps now and showing this coaching staff what could come if, if they get further development and further coaching. And with these expanded practice squads, again, it's going to be 16 players on a practice squad this year. Those are going to be spots where the Bills can say, you know, Griffin, we, we really saw him come on at the end of training camp and in the preseason, possibly, depending on how he plays over these next few weeks. And, and then they're going to value him and want him in one of those roles. The more that the more these players perform in these tougher positions, defensive end, cornerback, linebacker, where the rooms are very deep, the practice squad is not a bad consolation prize if they don't get claimed elsewhere. It's a chance for them to get coaching at a high level because the Bills have had some really great stories in terms of uh, late picks, undrafted free agents in the defensive back area that have come on and been successful. So it's not the worst thing if a Griffin, if a Nick McLeod, or some of these other players that have shown out, Tariq Thompson, who's uh, another defensive back on this team, if they end up on the practice squad this year because as the Bills get a little bit older, as contracts start coming off the books – then those players could end up competing for starting roles, depth roles, et cetera, in 2022 and beyond. It's going to be fun to see. I, you know, I, I almost feel like there's this vibe that because of how good this roster is, everybody here that's like on that, you know, lower echelon, that's probably not even in the mix um, for a roster spot. It's raised the, the competition level because they're almost so excited about just being around this level of play here uh, and, and this level of competition. What you're seeing at the top, like the first team battles and the second team battles, the third teamers are probably sitting out there like, man, I got to show out to just to keep up. I see a lot of people commenting about Marquez Stevenson, and I'm so disappointed in myself and all the action today. I didn't write about the fact that he had a touchdown catch today. Marquez Stevenson, uh, from Mitchell Trubisky. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, and I didn't put him in yesterday. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm leaving out Marquez Stevenson in, in the hustle and bustle of everything. He had a touchdown yesterday, then dropped one uh, on the next play, which was you know unfortunate for him. But today he made a touchdown catch. Uh, and, and I think that you're really excited to see that out of Marquez Stevenson, a guy that seems to be on the outside looking in when it comes to the kick return competition based on just hearing everybody talk about Isaiah McKenzie from Heath Farwell to Tyler Medikevich, who almost spoke as if it was a foregone conclusion that McKenzie was going to be the, the returner if you listen to his uh, press conference. I'm writing about McKenzie for next week. Like I said yesterday, I have a wedding tonight, uh, so this is going to be a little bit truncated as well, today's episode. Tomorrow's episode is going to be the full hour, so buckle up for that one. We have a padded practice in the stadium. Ryan's going to be here. We'll be in this room right here doing it, hopefully after practice. So 
Uh, we haven't talked about the details of that yet, Ryan, but I'm just throwing it out uh, at you right now. And so, so yeah, there's, you know, there's Marquez Stevenson, who I think if he could start to assert himself and make plays, especially he's going to get a real opportunity in three preseason games to show what he can do as a receiver. Um, and then the, whatever kick return reps he gets, you got to make the most of that to have even a chance, because I don't think that there's going to be worry if you're the bills to try to stash him on the practice squad if he, if he doesn't end up making the roster. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a late day three pick. Uh, could they lose him? Sure, because a lot of teams covet speed at the position. But at the same time, it, there's a good chance that those later day three picks are, are players that the Bills will end up putting on their practice squad. You know, if you go all the way back to the draft, Brandon Bean talked about trading down or making those moves to get the extra draft picks just because he knew it was going to be a hard, it was going to be hard to get undrafted free agents to want to come to Buffalo because of how stacked this roster was. So they had to draft some targets of guys that they're going to develop and bring along. Uh, it's it's encouraging to hear that he's scoring some touchdowns in practice. We all know about that straight line speed. But at the same time, there's there's it's just a numbers game. I've said it's a good problem for the Bills to have, and it is. It's just hard to figure out where he would fit on this roster based on the talent at wide receiver, based on the fact that they are very confident in Isaiah McKenzie as the return man. So he might just be one of those stash players that you you put away and you hope that in 2022 he can compete for a role as the return man. He can compete for a role as wide receiver number six or wide receiver number seven, but the odds are stacked against him as of this time. What else you want to talk about here, Ryan, before we get going? Oh, I did see a comment about how would the defensive ends look, and I believe you said that Boogie Basham had a nice day today. Yeah, he had a nice day. He flashed a little bit, and I thought it was interesting. I didn't get a chance to sit over because I was I went I came right back over to write today. Uh, I wasn't in the press availability, but I did read some of the stuff that came out of Boogie's uh, presser, and I thought that you know his quote. He's, he basically said, "As the weeks went on here, I felt like I'm starting to get a little bit of the hang of it, and then as soon as I think I'm getting the hang of it, they throw something else at me." Uh, more plays on top of more plays, and I'm just trying to learn everything so I can feel as so far I'm doing pretty good. So a couple of things there. Like I think we forget sometimes that, you know, even when these guys do flash, that there is this unbelievable amount of information flow happening in these meeting rooms, and they got to try to take that from the room to the field. And I know that they mentioned Gregory Rousseau uh, really showing um, – strong ability to be able to do that um, early on at minicamp and then in, in OTAs. But Basham just threw some reel out there in that moment. Like it's hard. It's hard to, you know, get up to speed and then go out there and perform. But I thought today he made a couple really nice plays. There was a play that um, Isaiah McKenzie had the ball in his hands. And based on his rush, he really forced McKenzie to kind of change direction and, and kind of, um, stop the play from being a real difference maker where maybe McKenzie even makes it in the end zone. So I thought that that was um, really good. And then he had a nice win against Spencer Brown where, you know, there's been times where Spencer Brown's been struggling. And I know that that's probably, you know, you're not going to take too much away from that, but you just want to see, we talked about it yesterday, confidence building plays for these young players. And the more of those that happen, the better for them. Yeah, the, that's just it. The the more reps that they get, the more uh, experience that they have, the better they're going to perform. And, and Boogie Basham is just an intriguing player in himself because uh, I could see the Bills really playing him a lot on the inside as well. So he's going to have a, a lot 
to handle as a rookie, play, possibly playing defensive end and on the inside. Um, th- they've mentioned that multiple times when they drafted him. They liked how he looked on the inside. If the Bills decide to keep extra defensive ends, players like Boogie Basham and A.J. Epineza was talked about the same way coming in, but he, he's slimmed down so much that I don't envision him kicking inside. But players like F.A. Obata, players like Boogie Basham, that's how they could make this roster. They're defensive ends by trade, but they're going to get kicked inside. So Basham has a lot on his plate as a rookie, as does Russo, who's probably going to be more of a pure defensive end, although he also has the ability to kick inside. That's where he was very successful with Miami. Uh, But it's just so much for them from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint. So it's going to be really interesting to watch the development as this rookie year starts out. Now, to their credit, they or to the Bills' credit, they did get a traditional offseason, something that an A.J. Epinesa did not get last year. So I think they're going to be a little bit further ahead in terms of their development. But I still look forward to watching them in the preseason and seeing how they develop over the course of the 2021 season. I saw some comments here on the defense uh, improving. And, you know, Shiel Kapadia over at The Athletic does a really good job, does a lot of uh, work on some deeper analytic stuff. Uh, wrote a wrote a uh, piece uh, ranking the defenses in the NFL from one to 32. And last season in DVOA, the Bills finished 12th. And he's predicting that the Bills finished seventh this year. Um, and you know he noticed noted a lot of the stuff that we, that we've talked about: the return of Star, Matt Milano only only playing 31% of the snaps last year, um, and and just the fact that traditionally speaking, Josh or Sean McDermott and uh, Leslie Frazier get a lot out of their defenses. So, you know, I think that there's kind of an expectation for the defense to have a big bounce back year as well. But before we get out of here, I want to talk about one more thing. Matt, Cheetah, Brita. I learned this morning because Brita was on with Howard and Jeremy that his nickname is on WGR 550, uh, Cheetah, which is awesome. Cheetah, Brita. That makes so much sense. Had a big play today, saw a little bit of that speed, took a catch from uh, Mitch Trubisky. Got out to the boundary, just absolutely leaving, leaving Andre uh, Brown. Poor Andre. Uh, Andre Smith. Andre Brown? Andre Smith. 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 Andre Smith <laughs> in his dust. Sorry, a lot of different names uh, flowing through my head at the moment. Um, just in his dust, made it all the way to the outside, scampered into the end zone. And those are those little things that Matt Burita brings to this offense. Like, I'm so excited to see what that looks like. I mean, that's the kind of play where, of course, it was in the red zone, so it was a short touchdown. but that could have been a touchdown from like 60, 80 yards out. That type of play where, you know, he beat the one defender on the outside and then there was nobody there. So huge play from Matt Breida. And, you know, he's going to, as he gets more comfortable, the more that we're probably going to see plays like that. from him. Yeah, You know, from a speed standpoint, Breida just needs to get past that first level. And, and then he could be off to the races. It's that easy. If the Bills can open up some lanes from as a runner, uh, he can really break off some big runs for Buffalo this year in whatever role they envision for him. I'm actually really interested to see how he contributes as a receiver for this team. Uh, I, I think that he could be your your A number one running back target in the screen game for the same reason. Give him that open space. Let him get past that first line of defense and then see what he can do. And and this goes all this actually goes back to our previous point about the DVOA and the defensive performance. If this offense is humming along the way it was last year and and they can get out to some big leads, it's only going to make the defense better because it makes the opposing offense more predictable, whereas they're going to have to throw early and often on downs to try to get back into the game. And that's when you get the tip passes. That's when you get the interceptions. That's when you get the sacks. So 
this offense can really help the defense make some gains here in 2021 as well. Bills Mafia, you brought it here. Big numbers on day eight of training camp. While you're here, smash that like button. Let's get this video out to as many people as possible, bringing you everything we saw at practice tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. Hit that subscribe button also. The subscriptions. We're past 3K, Ryan. Uh, everybody just has been so awesome. We really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow in person. Ryan and I, we will be bringing you coverage from day nine padded practice in the stadium. I cannot wait for Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And we, you know, Tops loves local. Tops is a proud partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables produced and picked this morning can be on your table tonight. We're out of here, everyone. See you tomorrow.